Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I'm with my dear friend, Kenyon Murray. Kenyon is a former Hawkeye basketball player who is well known for setting school records, played on some of the greatest Hawkeye basketball teams in history at the University of Iowa. Today, he is a businessman, he is a family man, he's a father, he's a coach, he's a husband, and uh, I get to call him a dear friend. Today, we're gonna talk about this idea of perspective. And I'm gonna ask Kenya Murray to shed some light on his perspective of what it means to be a man of faith, a leader in the home, a father to athletes, and a businessman. Kenya Murray, my good friend, welcome to the show. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. This is fun, man. You know, I think about, we, we talk, uh, we were just talking about this. It's probably not a week that goes by that I don't at least text you or we talk on the phone. And um, man, I just value your friendship so much. And I think about all of the different topics that we cover from faith to basketball to business. Yeah. Like we just chop it up about, about everything, man. And I, I just appreciate that about our friendship. Those, those types of friendships where you can talk about so many different topics and get real with people and go deep are different types of friendships. So I just wanted to say that to you, man. I value that. Appreciate it. No, it's, it's one of those things that's great because you don't have a lot of people you probably can do that with. And when you find someone and you connect with someone like that, it's you value every minute, whether it's one minute or 30 minutes, it's just a, it's a value add to your life. And so I think you and I have connected on a, a number of different things, like you said. So it's just fun having somebody to I don't know, use the word riff a lot yeah, <laughs> about things. So it's true. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the beginning of our friendship, man, we would try to have like 10 minute conversations and it would be an hour later, yeah. you know, and we're still talking. So, um, but today we're, we're going to have a different conversation with, with some friends involved. Uh, we want to say thank you first off for making the time today. Um, and you know, one thing that you always bring up in our conversations is this idea of perspective, right? You have this ability, man, this is true of you. You have an ability to zoom out. You're always zooming out. You're like, well, you always say this. Well, the way I look at that is, you know, or well, one way to look at that is, and so um, I wanna talk to Kenyon Murray, the former athlete. I'm gonna talk to Kenyon Murray, the family man. I'm gonna talk to Kenyon Murray, the businessman. Right. Um, and I want you to just shed some perspective to our listeners. Right. And what you've learned in your journey, so much of our conversations, I think, fall into the category of leadership. I know you're passionate about leading people. You lead in business. You lead in your home. You still lead in the world of sports. And so, um, so we're going to talk about leadership and perspective. And man, I'd love for us just to go back to the glory day. So 92 to 96, yep. uh, you came into Iowa as Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan, Battle Creek Central, yep. right? Yep. Uh, and you were the all-time leading scorer in your high school. Yep. You were a big-time get for the University of Iowa, one of Tom Davis's biggest recruits ever. Some would say. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just the truth. For those listening, that's just the truth, and that's well-documented in Hawkeye country. 92 to 96, you play four years, some great teams. You graduate as the all-time leader in steals, yep. right, at the University of Iowa. And um, I think still probably to this day, the only get for University of Iowa, Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan. Yeah, even though we had some great, great guys like B.J. Armstrong, Roy Marble, I guess I was one of the, the lucky ones to be able to win it in a state that produced so many really good basketball players. But yeah, I think that might be, yeah, I think that might so be So much it. talent, yeah. And then you played against the, the Fab Five, yep. right, in Carver Hawkeye Arena, <laughs> yeah. and beat them. Yeah. One of the great games. Yeah, that still comes up, man. Like, why, why'd you choose Iowa over Michigan? And so the, there's a lot that goes into it. Like you look at at the visit I had to Michigan, it wasn't great, but I think 
having the opportunity to play and contribute right away was a big part of it. Not that I wouldn't have been able to go to Michigan and do that, but I saw my role here. It was more defined and clear. So that led me down the path to becoming a Hawkeye. Talk to us real quick for the Hawkeye fans about Dr. Tom Davis. What was your relationship with, uh, like with Tom? It was up and down. <laughs> Let's just be real. You know, I, I was one that and I probably had the needling of one of the other coaches to not hold back. And I think coach, even though I sometimes drove him crazy, he knew that he was going to get 100% out of me. And so I think like everybody goes through ups and downs and everybody looks at their career at times like it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. But I think from a perspective, now looking at it, I wasn't supposed to do certain things with in the basketball world that I thought. I wasn't supposed to go pro or whatever. But the relationship we had was great. As soon as Chris and Keegan committed, he gave me a call and congratulated me. So we still have a relationship to this day. We don't talk all the time, but whenever we do, it's like we haven't missed any time. You know what I'm saying? So I learned a lot from him. I think the one thing he gave us at Iowa was balance because you we lose the last game and it's like, I don't want to see you in the gym for two weeks. I want you to be a student, get your grades in order. I want you to be, um, I just want you to have the life of a college student. So two weeks and then we can get back at the basketball part of it. Is it true that he would not have you condition and practice? <laughs> is this is this just like, a, is this a myth? Is this a funny thing? Is, that, is there truth to that? Conditioning came from doing what we did best and that was pressing. Mm. So first day, first practice, back in those days we did two a days, but very first practice, I'm a freshman. One of the first drills we did, all right, let's jump in the press. And so it was like, all right. And so he always believed from a conditioning standpoint, because I always ask that question, like, why are we running? They're like, well, coach believes that if you want to play, you're going to do the work. So mm -hmm. part of coaches, I guess, philosophy was they're going to have to grow up and be men anyway. They're going to have to push themselves and motivate themselves. So why not start here? And if you're not in shape, you don't play. That's Plain tough stuff. love. I like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you talk about perspective, man. You were given the gift of perspective at a really young age during your Iowa Hawkeye playing days when you lost a really dear friend in Chris Street. Yeah. And if you're not a Hawkeye fan and you're listening to this episode, Chris Street was a Hawkeye legend, right? Special guy. Yeah. Um, tell us what you learned um, and also tell us who Chris was to you. Yeah. So for me, and obviously having the boys at Iowa now, people bring up the story a lot because one of my twins, Chris, is named after him, though it's spelled different. Mm. For some reason, people didn't get the correlation. But either way, uh, Chris was a mentor to me. Like he was more, he was a big brother to me. When I came here, I, when I visited, funny story is he took me to class with him. It was an English lit class or something. And the teacher asked a question. Nobody raised their hand, but here's a senior in high school that puts his hand up and answers the question. We get out of the class and Chris is like, you can't be showing me up like that. So like <laughs> we we really bonded on the visit. Sunday before I left, it's like, hey, I'm gonna see you in the fall, right? I was like, yeah, probably. So we, we really bonded over that. And then once I got on campus, he was really the one that I don't think I would have, I wouldn't say make it, but I probably wouldn't have had such a successful year on the basketball floor, especially that first mm -hmm. semester without him, just kind of getting me through things, the workouts, the lifting and all those kind of things. When I was down or I didn't have a good practice, he's like, let's go to the gym. So he was one of those guys that kind of was showing me how to do it. And then if we need to get out of town and Mike, Mike and Patty talk about this a lot, Chris, we'd show up at 
Sarah's volleyball games out of nowhere. And here's 6'9", Chris Street, and 6'5", <laughs> or used to be 6'5", Kenya Murray walking in the gym. And so, like, everything would stop. So he really just took me into the family, and Patty always called me the little brother that he didn't have. So we had a, a pretty special relationship the short time that – that I, you know, that we were friends and well, we still are, but you know what I mean? Just the short time we had together here on earth. So yeah, man, special guy. Yeah. Loaded question. What is the greatest lesson that you've learned as an athlete playing sports? Probably to always believe in yourself, regardless of what people think. I think for me as an, the athlete that I was coming in with all the accolades that I had coming in, it was easy for people to think that I was always confident, right? So we all doubt ourselves at different times. And one of the first times I doubted myself was that summer on campus when I made a move like I normally would. And I thought I, thought I got fouled, but one of the seniors told me it wasn't a foul. This isn't high school anymore. <laughs> so I say that to say this, like your, your confidence can be taken at different times. So as an athlete, you always have to believe in what I tell Chris and Keegan, believe in the work that you've done to get here. And so for me, when Keegan was struggling with his jump shot this year, asking me questions, it was like, you've always been a shooter. You, you have to go back and trust what you've done all these hours in the gym. And so I think that's the one thing that I probably learned more is always believe in yourself, believe in the work you put in, because I think only you can say if you've put in enough time or enough effort to be able to perform on the floor. And if you do that and you believe in yourself, then I truly believe things will work out. So for me, that was probably one of the bigger things. I think as much as we talk about leadership, man, the, the hardest person to lead is the person in the mirror. Yeah, you know? yeah. you've said that before. So it's just the truth, it's the truth. And, and it's easy to talk about leadership. It's another thing to go out and live it out, right? right. To walk the talk is harder than to talk about it. So, Absolutely. and I talk about it a lot. <laughs> I don't always walk it out. So, um, all right, let's transition. I wanna talk about, um, perspective and leadership in the context of being a father mm. to athletes. Mm. So we have a lot of people listening who are parents, some who are parents to athletes, some who are not. Right. But I think there's a lot of wisdom that you're about to drop <laughs> about leading young people as a parent and loving them in different seasons of life. So right now you're in a season of life. McKenna is a freshman yep. at Cedar Rapids Prairie, and she's getting a lot of attention from college coaches as as an athlete which is really cool and she hasn't done anything right <laughs> but there there's there's big time potential in her future and then uh demetrius is your your son adopted son is that right mm -hmm. yep okay broke all kinds of records at co college for football yep big time athlete himself and then chris and keegan the twins uh it's it's well known that they play ball at the university of iowa again if you're not an iowa fan you should know that uh big time future uh, as Iowa Hawkeyes and uh, played on a team this year. It's one of the greatest teams in Iowa basketball history. So you got these two sons who, by all intents and purposes, were kind of on like a level playing field, right? And they always sort of have been all throughout childhood, yeah. high school, prep school, uh, because of the position they play and because of some circumstances. Keegan gets thrust into the scene as a, as a freshman, plays a lot. Uh, he was on the all Big Ten freshman team. Chris doesn't play as much. And so I want to hear how you're handling this as a father. Yeah. And then I want to hear what your conversation is like when you talk about leadership and perspective with the boys. Like, what's that like? Yeah. So, yeah, this question has been asked a lot with 
Keegan playing and Chris not. But the conversation has always been, and my wife probably brings more balance to it than I do because I told them, if you need me, I'll be there. So a lot of times the hardest thing for me was to step back from being their coach because I've coached them since they picked up a basketball until they graduated from Prairie. That was one of the hardest things I had to do was just take a step back and not be involved in everything day to day when it came to basketball. But in this situation, it, it was always encourage Keegan to continue to do what he's doing. You know, trust yourself, those kind of things. For Chris, keep the same mentality because you never know when your number is going to be called. The only reason Keegan was probably thrust into the limelight before Chris, obviously we saw, you know, Nunji lost his dad, and so that opened things up. But Keegan had shown during the preseason just a l- little bit more consistency when it came to his defense and rebounding, which is shocking because I always had to jump on him about defense in high school, and Chris was always the much better rebounder. And so when we think about it, Michelle and I are like, they both can do this, but it's just a matter of showing that consistency. So my thing was if you play defense and rebound – you may see time on this team. I don't know how much time that's going to be, but like you said, because of situations and circumstances, Keegan was able to take advantage. I think we're really loaded at the three, which you look at Wieskamp and Patrick and Connor can slide this way or that way, depending on the lineup. It was just a tough spot for him to be in. Most coaches or most people don't understand. You want to keep a rotation to eight or nine guys. You start getting to 10 or 11, it gets to be an issue. So though I felt Chris could have played, I also had to sit back and one, trust the coach. The first coach, first D1 high major coach that viewed my boys as individuals and not together and offered them scholarships to what I didn't even know was their dream school. So that's really how we handled it. My wife does a really good job of the encouragement, sending a Bible verse here or there or some meditation thing. But we always told Chris, just, you know, be there, be present and be the same every day. And he's used to it because I benched him at Prairie when he was a sophomore. Keegan started. He didn't. He earned more minutes as the season went on, but he's he, it's happened before. Next year, he was unbelievable. He out – I mean, Keegan played well, but he was just hands down the best player on our team. And so that's all I'm saying is Hawkeye, Hawkeye fans need to watch out because if he does that again, it's, it's going to be crazy. You know, I'm thinking back to a point in the season – and I remember you and I were texting about this. I, I think I reached out to you uh, in a very in a public forum. Um, there were some people that said some things about other players on the team that actually pro- played in front of Chris, yeah. right? And and the the post the comments were almost like, "Hey, this guy maybe shouldn't play. We think Chris could play." And you stepped in, even though it's your son that they're talking about, yeah. and defended the coach's position, even when that meant your son wasn't playing. And so I I just thought, man, what an awesome example of here's what it looks like to support a team, support a coach, even when it means that your child might not be in a great position, right? Or or, or isn't isn't the the beneficiary of that decision. Um, What would you say to some parents who are listening? Because this has been very public, right? I mean, you're dealing with, I mean, it's a, it's, this this is the main stage, right? Yeah. Um, When you... Think about this situation and other similar situations. You've got parents who are listening. It's like, man, my kid isn't getting a fair shake, um, isn't getting what they deserve. What would you say to a parent who's in that, that similar situation? The first thing I'd ask is, one, you're not there every day. So you don't know what practice is like. That's why, for me, it was always, Keegan, how's Chris doing? Chris, how's Keegan doing? 
because those two guys are always honest with what they think the other one did or didn't do. So for me, I would say you have to, first of all, have an honest conversation with your son or daughter as far as what they're doing. Do you know all the plays? Do you know what coach is asking for you? Do you, even if you're not in, are you supporting the other teammates? Gino Ariema is a proponent of, he watches great players when they're not in the game, or he watches great basketball players play other sports because he wants to see how they interact with their teammates or lead when they're in a different situation. And so for me, I would tell those parents, you have to have an honest conversation with your son or daughter about what kind of effort you're putting in and those things that I mentioned. That's first and foremost. And then the second thing is you have to be realistic. You have to look at what position they play. Like there are people in my daughter's AAU program that are mad because their fifth grade daughter isn't getting all this time and playing. And my comeback is always, she's not gonna earn a scholarship in fifth grade. I go, if, if I thought like that, Chris and Keegan wouldn't be where they were because their biggest thing was, we're not big, we're not strong, we're not this, we're not that. All these other guys in our class are ranked ahead of us. But then I look at the time and effort they put into it and see where they are now. So for me, it's all about one, being honest with your son or daughter, really what they're doing, and then having a perspective of, okay, what are some of the possibilities? And then putting a plan together to get that done. Because that's what we did with Chris and Keegan. We had to put a plan together for them to end up here. Yeah, I think about, I mean, you really just said two things about perspective, right? Number one is run your own race. I know one of the quotes that you love is, the quickest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else, right? right? I mean, you were given gifts, you know, God's got a plan for your life, trust that. Um, and then number two is play the long game, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think you've been doing that as you've been leading Chris and Keegan and as you've been leading in business. So I wanna transition. So yeah. uh, we've talked about your days as an athlete. Uh, we've talked about uh, right now as a, as a family man leading Chris and Keegan. <clears throat> what some people don't know is you've been very successful in business. So I wanna hear you know, about what you're learning today as a businessman and, and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned on the court you know, watching athletes, coaching athletes, and how that's affected your journey as a, as a businessman. Well, I'll first start here is that sometimes what you think you're supposed to do in life is not what you're supposed to do in life. I, for so long, thought that I was supposed to be a Division One head coach, right? And that was what I was pursuing. So I know that I missed some opportunities, one, to really grow in a, in a position. Like I've been in dental sales and pharmaceutical sales. And I know that I've missed opportunities to grow and maybe even uh, opportunities to lead earlier than I am now because I was chasing that. Interesting conversation I had with Coach Billy Taylor, who recruited Chris and Keegan to Iowa, was I always thought I was supposed to be a Division One coach. And his thing was, you are. And I, it got kind of sat back and I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you have two Division One players at the University of Iowa. So when I, when I take that perspective and look back, I realized that one, I was chasing the wrong thing, but two, I was supposed to be where I was. So maybe I didn't chase business opportunities that may have arisen because I was supposed to be there for my kids. If you think about division one coaches, one of the things that they, they struggle with, sometimes complain about, and then hindsight's 2020 is in the pursuit of being a, a high level division one coach, you miss time with your own kids. And for me, I look at it as I was supposed to be where I was. So now, as they have ascended and they play here for University of Iowa, my daughter's older. Now I, I'm also I'm actually taking time for me to grow. And 
this last year, you and I know, has just been absolutely crazy for my professional growth to where I am now. So I don't know. For me, it's, I think we, one of the things I, I, I really sit on now is you never know when you're ready. And if you never think you're ready, you won't take that, that step. And sometimes you just have to lean on faith and step off the step off the cliff and be like, okay, whatever happens, happens. And that's kind of where I am right now with my professional life. And I think it's kind of worked out a lot in the last year or so. But it has worked out. Yeah. I mean, that's just a fact, right? It has worked out. And you're doing really well. And you've made some big decisions professionally, yeah. you know, in recent past. And right. I think some of the best advice that was given to me, I had a mentor give me this advice when I was making a big decision. He said, man, you can't make the right decision or the wrong decision. You can only make the best decision with the information that you have. Yeah. What you do after you make the decision will determine if it was the right decision, Absolutely. right? And so I just love watching you succeed, man. It's been fun to watch you succeed. And I love what you said about Chris and Keegan and being able to watch all their games, right? Yeah. And McKenna too, like, have you missed, so let me ask you this, have you missed a minute of Chris and Keegan's games? And if so, was it because you were watching McKenna? Yeah, we've done that this year. So Michelle and I split up. She came to the Iowa game and I went to McKenna's game. And one of the things that's been great, because people may know the story now, but Chris and Keegan went to post-grad school. So once they graduated from high school, they need to get bigger, stronger, and really kind of change their mentality to, to be high-level Division One athletes. So they end up at DME Sports Academy in Daytona Beach. Though I was robbing Peter to pay Paul, we were able to kind of live in two households. My wife moved down there in an apartment, a three bedroom apartment. She was there with them for six and a half months. But during that time, I was with my daughter. And like, you talk about the relationship between her and I, it, it's it's just been so fun. And she probably would rather me ha have me at the basketball games than her mom. And so that's really when we knew we had to split up. I was like, I got McKenna, you, <laughs> you, you go ahead and go to the boys game. So. Yeah, like that's really the only time. And the beauty of everything being on TV is you can always watch it. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think our family has gr has grown closer th through this, through COVID and everything else. But, yeah, I just, honestly, the best thing in the world now is just being a husband and a dad and waking up and being happy about that. And work is easy because, for me, I know why I wake up every day. I'm happy I wake up every day. Like, it's... You know, like I, I look at it like work is easy, you know, so I don't know. Love that, man. <clears throat> yeah, I love that. Well, there's a there's a depth to you, man, that uh, is so real and attractive, right? It's like, been there. It, I mean, it's 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 crazy. I'll ask you something simple about basketball. And then all of a sudden we're talking about like parenting and faith. And I'm like, well, I really just wanted to know about right, right, <laughs> about right. the game, you know, right. or whatever. Um, but I appreciate the way that you go deep, man. Like you always have an interesting way of looking at things, which is why we're having this conversation. Um, this one's for Hawkeye Nation. Uh, future of Hawkeye basketball next year. So we lose Luca Garza, who just became the consensus player of the year, by the way, uh, and special athlete. Uh, tell us about next year. As you see it, what do you expect out of the Hawkeye basketball team? Man, I'm really excited for from this standpoint because people saw glimpses of what Aaron Eulis, Tony Perkins, Patrick, Chris Keegan, what they could do. And for me... I think I've always, I've said this looking forward. Fran needs to, to play next year 
like he did when he was at Siena. When he had those teams at Siena, when they ran up and down and they pressed and got after guys on the defensive end, that's the kind of athleticism he's going to have. Now, we do need some bigs, obviously, with Nunji transferring, Luca gone. We need some bigs to help as long as Josh continues to develop. But for me, I see a, a more exciting brand of basketball from that standpoint. Not that this year wasn't exciting, but just different athletes on the floor. I'm telling you, people don't know, but Aaron Eulis is, is a really, really good point guard. Probably from what everyone told me out of Chicago, has one of the highest basketball IQs they've ever seen out of a point guard. And obviously his brother, brother played in the NBA. So I think fans will be happy with what they're going to get. I think they say, well, we're losing shooting. And, you know, you get CJ back and we're sure not, not sure what Joe's going to do yet. But I think that the expectations may be lower, but I believe this team could exceed those, if that makes sense. So I'm excited for next year, not just because Chris and Keegan will be on the floor more, but just with everybody, with the youth and the athleticism, I think it's going to be a fun, fun brand of basketball to watch. Well, it should be one of the more athletic teams we've had in a long time, right? That's for sure. Peyton Sanford comes in, uh, nice player out of Waukee. Mm -hmm. And then we need a big man, right? So we're getting that figured out. Hopefully yeah. the transfer portal gives us a gift. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I think I think it'll be a special year. What is um so we we both share a unique uh friendship with the McCaffrey family. Yeah. I want to hear it um from your lens. What's something about uh Fran and Margaret McCaffrey, maybe the 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 coaching staff at Iowa, um, that other people don't know that you know or you get to see as a parent of two athletes? Yeah, I think for me. The one thing is how far Fran and I go back because he recruited me as an athlete when he was an assistant coach at Notre Dame. And honestly, I would have gone to Notre Dame if Digger Phelps wouldn't have resigned. So I was so impressed with not just the, the school and the campus and the basketball program, but with, with Digger. And Fran recruited a few people off our AAU team and we contemplated going together, but nothing against, um, you know, John McLeod, who came in and replaced Digger, but it just wasn't the same feel. So Fran and I go way back. And for me, I think one of the things that you get to see is really how much he cares about the players behind the scenes. He is, he's genuine. If you, if you look at any of the comments of former players, they all say that he would run through the wall for them. I think he's loyal to them. I think some Hawkeye fans would say maybe he's loyal to a fault. If you look at, you know, People complain about this player plays too much or this player plays too much. For me, it's different because, like I said, he was the first and only high major coach that said, Keegan does this, Chris does this. They're different, but they can play together. They can help our program. I'm offering them scholarships. So for me, that's special because when you're a parent, you may have one kid, you may have five kids, but you always want someone to appreciate who your son or daughter is individually. And that's what he did. So for me... That's where I base everything on. The basketball part of it, I know I'm always, I'm not gonna agree with everything he does. Who does? Having been a coach and been a player, you're never gonna agree with everything the head coach does. But I also told my boys, and hopefully this is a lesson is, be prepared, or let's put it this way, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I think if they do that, then they'll be able to take advantage of whatever opportunities they're afforded when they play here. So. No question, man. I'm going to tag Digger Phelps and say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that about him, but yeah. uh, interesting how <clears throat> he was a part of your story yeah. and his departure benefited Hawkeye country. So I didn't know that. Uh, all right, man. So we've talked about you as the athlete, the parent, uh, husband, coach, leader in business. 
I can't let you off this podcast uh, without talking about your faith. Because I know when you think about leadership and you think about perspective, it's tied to your faith. Your identity is in your faith. Absolutely. So tell us how your faith informs your ability to lead and the perspective that you have. Well, I'll be honest about this is that my faith hasn't really played a huge role into things up until about three years ago. And when you're faced with uncertainty or you're faced with difficult choices where full disclosure, my wife and I were teetering on that. Are you, are we going to stay together? Are we going to get divorced? I was faced with the fact, like, even though my wife will tell everybody that I've always been a good dad, I wasn't always a good husband. And like you said, the toughest person to sometimes judge is that person facing back at you in the mirror. And so for me, I had a choice to either run or stay, but I knew that if if I stayed in the relationship or we stayed in the relationship, that there was a lot of work that needed to be done on my part. And I never blame her for anything. So for me, it was sitting in a counseling office. He asked me a question like, what do you want out of this life? And usually when you close your eyes, you see something, right? You can envision something. I just saw black and that was really, really scary to me. So I knew that I had to realign my life and that came with, okay, I have to reconnect with God. I have to really figure out like what that was going to mean. And so everything is based on that. Like that's, that's the central focus of my life and everything is dictated off of that. So for me, my faith plays a part in everything because now I think about if I say this or do this, how is it going to affect not only my wife, but my kids, the people I manage, all these kind of things. So for me, having that compass makes everything that I do a whole lot easier. Well, I feel like, man, I have, a, I have a front row seat to watching how your faith informs your decisions as a parent, as a man in business, a father, and a friend. So um, again, man, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you for spending time with us and uh, with our listeners. How do people find you? So if somebody wants to stay in touch with Kenny Murray, they want to reach out to you, they want to follow you, where do people find you? Yeah, they want to follow me. I'm on LinkedIn, Kenny Murray. That's usually where I spend most of my, I guess, social media space now. <laughs> On Facebook, it's Kenyon Michelle Murray. We all we do everything together. Twitter, I'm P Hawk Kenyon. I think that's about it. I'm really not an IG guy or anything else. My daughter says I need to stay off Snapchat, so I don't do that. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no. And then you know, people can find me. I mean, I'm always open to hearing from anybody. So if they ever wanted to email me, my email is my first and last name, Kenyon Murray, the number thirty three at gmail dot com. And I'm always open to talking to people about not just faith, but you know, marriage, because I think that's one of the things you and I were talking about before. People aren't really honest about that. If you ask them, they say things are good. But I know that for me to be where I am now, I had to fix that. Started with my faith, started with understanding how I needed to be as a husband, treat my wife like the queen that she is. And then part of it is too, is setting the example for my kids. You want to be a good role model for them. So I think what I've done is my boys have seen that everything is not great. My daughter's seen everything's not great. But they also have seen that you can come back from that. You can have something almost be destroyed, but then build it back stronger. And that's really where Michelle and I are now. So, you know, it's it's been a journey. It's not done yet. I'm excited for the future and see what comes. 
Well, I think, I think, man, brokenness is a powerful position, right? Like when you need the Lord and you got to cry out for help and you got to start listening to the people around you that care about you and love you, that's a powerful position, I think. So, um, and, I, and I've watched you, man, uh, grow uh, over even this past year. And I love the way that you own your story and you're transparent about stuff that you've gone through and things that you've been through. Um, one thing you didn't mention is the famous YouTube channel. So I'm about to bust you out. Uh, Kenyon Murray has, just if you're listening, so you know, he's laughing, he's like shaking his head. A YouTube channel, Kenyon, where do they find you on YouTube? On YouTube, it's, it's uh, Marriage WTF. And everybody knows what WTF usually stands for. But for Michelle and I, this was part of our therapy. And honestly, our counselor encouraged us to do this. But the WTF stands for Worth the Fight. And so we haven't done some videos in a long time, but it's crazy we're still getting subscribers, but it's really a raw look at the emotions and things that we had to go through in rebuilding our marriage. And it, it chronicles all the, from the time that we decided to go into counseling until I think when we dropped the boys off in Florida, or not dropped them off, but moved them to Florida. And we did a couple episodes since then. We've talked about getting back, but you know, following two Hawkeye players and a daughter who plays everything and work. We just haven't gotten to it. But I think there's a, there are some good lessons in there still. So No question. So one more spot they can check you out, Marriage WTF on YouTube. Yep. And again, man, I appreciate the way that you have owned your journey and your story, uh, specifically in that area of your life. Hey, man, such a, such a pleasure having this conversation with you today. And uh, thank you again, man, for making the time. I appreciate it. It's been fun. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, my brother. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we want to send a special thank you to Kenyon Murray for your time today. Thank you for investing in the people that we love and care about. also want to say thank you to John Choate of Storyline Multimedia. Thank you for all that you do to make these episodes go. Finally, if you listen to the podcast episode today, we would love it if you would like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so that we can move our mission of impact forward.